From the American College of Cardiology, this is Dr. Kim Eagle, ACC.org Editor-in-Chief with a special Eagle's Eye View. This is an update from ACC.org. This particular update represents key points from the 2018 HAACC Guideline for the Management of Adults with Congenital Heart Disease. It's a report of the American College of Cardiology, American Heart Association Task Force, on clinical practice guidelines. This is a major update to the previous guideline, which were published in 2008. I love this guideline. It reflects a new format for presenting the guidelines, has new tables for recommendations, a brief synopsis, and then recommendation-specific supportive text and flow diagrams. This review really will emphasize the areas of difference between the new and previous guidelines in terms of how it's formatted and the number of lesion-specific recommendations that I think are very useful to uh, practitioners. Also, this guideline process commissioned two independent evidence review committees to address two significant clinical questions. One of them was, what is the benefit of intervention for asymptomatic patients with secundum ASDs and RV dilation. And the second addressed the question of what is the role for medical therapy, including ACEs, ARBs, beta blockers, and aldosterone antagonists in patients who have a systemic ventricle. This guideline has a new classification. It uses both anatomic and physiologic data to provide, I think, much more robust classification that can be used in both prognostication and treatment. Anatomic classification goes from class one, simple, class two, moderate complexity, class three, great complexity. And the physiologic classification will sound familiar to you because it's divided into stages A through D, very similar to the AHA heart failure classification. The physiologic classification takes into account the patient's functional status and other factors like valve disease, pulmonary hypertension, arrhythmias, aortic dilation, end organ function abnormalities, and, of course, cyanosis. So clearly, the need for a classification system is based on data that hopefully would allow better refinement of patient classifications, which will lead to better therapies. And a good example of this might be a patient who has repaired tetralogy of the low with no significant pulmonary regurgitation, no symptoms, and no other sequela, that person would be an ACHDAP, that's the guideline, classification 2A. Another patient with tetralogy of flow but with severe PR, pulmonary valve regurg and exercise intolerance, would be 2C. This type of interplay between anatomy and physiology can inform both therapy and the type of follow-up plan that you make for a patient. This classification system also provides the basis to make lesion-specific recommendations on clinical follow-up, testing, etc. So let me go to some uh, specific examples. There were two recommendations related to closure of secundum ASD that were informed by the systemic review. So here they are. In adults with secundum ASD and impaired functional capacity, right atrial or right ventricular enlargement, QP to QS ratio greater than or equal to 1.5 to 1, 
and absence of cyanosis at rest or during exercise, device or surgical closure is recommended. If the systolic pulmonary artery pressure is 50% of systemic and pulmonary vascular resistance is less than one-third of systemic. And this has a classification level of one. If the patients are asymptomatic, the guideline says closure is reasonable, but the recommendation level of evidence is 2A. A note on bicuspid aortic valve. Patients who have bicuspid aortic valve should be evaluated for coarctation of the aorta, both with clinical exams and imaging studies, and it is reasonable to screen first-degree relatives of patients with bicuspid or unicuspid aortic valve to evaluate those individuals for bicuspid valve disease using echocardiography. That is a 2A. If a patient has coarctation, screening for an intracranial aneurysm by either MRA or CTA may be reasonable. That carries a 2B recommendation. Let's talk about pulmonary valve replacement. This is recommended for patients who have repaired tetralogy of Fallot and moderate or worse pulmonary regurgitation with cardiovascular symptoms not otherwise explained. That's a class one recommendation. It is reasonable to do pulmonary valve replacement for preservation of ventricular size and function in asymptomatic patients with tetralogy flow and ventricular enlargement or dysfunction and moderate or greater pulmonary regurgitation. That's a 2A. So a couple of uh, specific examples of how the guidelines have informed therapy, particularly surrounding pulmonary valve regurgitation. A note about ICDs. Primary prevention ICD is reasonable in adults with tetralogy and multiple risk factors for sudden death, including LV systolic or diastolic dysfunction, of course, non-sustained VT, a long QRS greater than or equal to 180 milliseconds, extensive RV scarring, and inducible sustained VTAC at EP study. The systemic review, as I mentioned, looked at whether we should be medically treating systemic ventricles with the type of things that we use for LV dysfunction. And the committee concluded that the data is completely uncertain. So there are no recommendations about medical therapy for systolic dysfunction of a systemic right ventricle. It is reasonable to perform anatomic evaluation of coronary artery patency, either using catheter angiography or CT or MR angiography. In asymptomatic adults with dextrotransposition of the great arteries with arterial switch, that's a class 2A. Pulmonary vasoactive medications that we are commonly now using, of course, in patients with various types of pulmonary hypertension, these are thought to improve exercise capacity in adults with Fontan repair, and that is a 2A recommendation. At the conclusion of this guideline, the writing committee described a number of areas where there are evidence gaps remaining, and hopefully through both observational and randomized trials, we will learn about these going forward. This is really an outstanding document. I really commend the writing committee members for creating uh, something that essentially completely changes our landscape as we think about adult congenital heart disease and manage it. So this has been a special Eagle's Eye View focusing on this new guideline. Our website tries to create usable nuggets of information as these guidelines come out. 
So continue to look for us on acc.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a great week. Thank you.